But it's the only way you're ever gonna learn You look back and it's all in the past I'm dwelling on the thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words then maybe it's not true Good evening, welcome to the professionals. Prefer, <laughs> permission to come aboard, Captain. <laughs> yes. <laughs> only if you <laughs> only if you come straight to the poop deck. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, let's get that out of the way for Was it a good was it a good trip that you had, Mitch, on the boat? Fantastic. Well, four hours on a boat. Uh left to buy Harbour Marina. Went and did a uh, come through the marina proper, then out to sea, and then anchored near the Burj Al Arab. Had a, an hour or so there and then back. And it was it was belting. Absolutely belting. What a great way to end the season. Uh, kudos to Julie uh, for organising everything the way she does. Uh, and and for everybody else involved in the organisation of it, really. Um, it was a good way to celebrate, let my hair down. Um, and yeah, it was fantastic. Really, 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 really good. Great stuff. Uh, well, as always, we've got an hour with the professionals to uh, chat Newcastle United. And uh, I, I, those of you who follow Stu on Twitter, first of all, we'll uh, see he, he's had a big um, uh, dislike for the, the recent flyer done by John Justice Allen uh, because it had pink on uh, around his head. Uh, that's been a source of amusement for most of us at AUFC <laughs> for the last few days. Uh, I'm glad to say that the new one has been sent. So uh, there will be, uh, and that has that has raised eyebrows as well. In fact, it's got something to do with eyebrows. Uh, but um, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll come to that next week. But um, just want to say hi to Michael Charters, who's in the chat as well. He says, uh, I'm in Turkey with your twin brother. Big shout out to this guy who's featured on Lookalikes before. Uh, it's a guy who works in Turkey who looks like me. So a big shout out to him, Michael. Uh, I did say that I would do that. I hope he's well. All right, Stu. Uh, those, those people who follow you on Twitter as well will have seen that you've got uh, something to say today. Plenty to say uh, on a particular matter. So uh, over to you. Well, watching the Amigos on Friday, a lot of it was about the moving of seats for, for people. And now I sit and watching it and... The good thing about this is we're not all sheep and we, we all have our own opinions and, and that's why people tune in. So what I wrote about the seats, I mean, I was thinking I've been really busy at work, thankfully. I've been stowed off, but I had 20 minutes a day and I thought, right, what we're going to talk about like, this evening? So I thought I'll put seats in one and then I just start writing a couple of things and I end up with two pages. So it's probably easier if I read it off what I've written. Uh, and I'll do it slowly so people can understand because I've not had my Jaeger bombs today, so you might not understand this. <laughs> so they, yesterday, undoubtedly, the seats was a PR goal, uh, own goal, sorry. And I think watching what the lads were saying, I think Mr. Hasty was bang on when he said the people, in fact, the only people who should have been consulted were the ones that were affected. And tickets will always be the nemesis of any board of a successfully in the Castle United. Uh, however, I believe that we have to be conscious of not becoming a fan base like Man United. Oh, he stopped in mid-floor. He stopped yeah, in mid-floor, uh, Stu. You stopped in mid-floor, mate. So you got up to you got up the uh, words, um, cons something about not being a fan base in Manchester United. That's what right, you got up to. Fan base like, like Manchester United that cries over every decision the club makes. Uh, remember, they don't have to consult fans 
no board has to consult any fans about anything. And the fan, the board that we've got now are engaging more, the ownership are engaging more with the fan base than any other board in my lifetime. And that includes Sir John Hall and, and everyone that was around that period. They, they did the bit and mostly we went along with it, but they, they never interacted as much. And it doesn't mean they're doing it right, but at least they're trying to do it. And they will make mistakes, but we all do. And as long as we're all trying to achieve the main, like the optimum or the utopia level of a successful Newcastle United on and off the pitch, that's where we need to go. On numerous occasions, both Mitch and myself have stated that PIF have not, they're not a charity. They haven't purchased our club, uh, sorry, they've purchased our club primarily for the potential and the potential far outweighed any risk of the investment. And it is that it's an investment. It's an investment vehicle to make profit as long as well as many other things that the PIF have invested in, albeit on, on the understanding, thankfully for us, that they had to spend money to make money. They didn't just buy a club and think it was going to make the money like the previous owner did. And you know what? Talking about the previous owner, if he had spent money, if he had invested money, I couldn't care if he was still in charge, if he was putting the money in and actually trying to realise this untapped potential. But we have an ownership with unlimited funds that are willing to spend us what we shouldn't be doing is moaning or bemoaning every decision that they make. And remember when they first got involved, there at that stage, their involvement was purely business. Ours is emotional and you have to split the difference. You know, if sport is an emotional uh, trade, we're all passionate and emotional about the Newcastle United. They bought it to make money. But that's changed. If you look at Yasser, with his first first glimpse of the stand on the first day that he, he came in against Tottenham last season, you could see that he caught the bug. You could see it in his eyes. And even the last game of the season, he was up on the pitch just after a knee operation, wanting to kick about. You know, and he's, he's now a fan. As he, though he's the chairman, he's, he's now a fan. And these things we should be counting our blessings, not trying to have a go at. Uh, and our, so I actually do believe our passion for the club is changing minds and hearts within PIF. Newcastle United is a drug and it's, it gives and takes. And we as fans have to as well. And sometimes we've got to cut them some slack. And of course, they need to maximise revenue. And this is the thing with the season tickets being moved because they've made the area corporate. But we all, we're all aware that we've got financial fair player constraints that limit our potential to grow exponentially in the short space of time like they want to and we want to. So it's moving a small section of supporters. They haven't just shifted them. They've told them they're going to have to move them. They've explained the reasons why and they've given them choices. But there's thousands who can't get in the ground. You know, and yes, I'm not sitting there every week and I, I guess I'd be annoyed if it was my seat saying that you have to move. But at least I still have the opportunity to watch this team grow over the coming years and, and be in the ground. And it was done to make more money for the club, which benefits us as fans because it's not going in Mike Ashley's back pocket. It'll go back in the club to make the club bigger, better and stronger. These people can wait to make the profits. They're going to get us as best as we possibly can be before they start taking money out of it. So what were the alternatives really? Apart from, again, the own goal of not consulting the people. To me, how else can they make money from within the ground, the capacity that it's at? Do they put a tenner on every seat for every game? I think there'd be a bigger outcry there, wouldn't it? Or do they build a new stadium and say, right, now everyone's got their own seats 
and everyone can be happy where they're sitting, whether it's corporate, whether it's standing, whether it's family, whether it's disabled, whether it's singing sections, whether it's there for the away fans, everyone will get what they want. But then there'll be a massive outcry that they're moving stadium after promising not to straight away. You know, so it's a no-win situation. Yes, it could have been handled better, but there's there's so much more we can do about it. Uh, th those things I mentioned there would have those two things would have caused the bigger outcry. Um, but if we want the trophies and the success, then we have to be more adaptable and understanding. We can't have our cake and eat it. Let's not be become self-entitled. And I put a swear word, so I'll change it to mourners. Let's not become self-entitled. Times are changing for the better, and we as fans need to change also. Because if things don't change, they'll stay as we are. We didn't like the way we are. We like it to be better, and it is better. We've just come off probably the most exciting season we've had in 30 years. And we shouldn't be moaning. We really shouldn't. We'll go to Europe next season in the Champions League. That's it. Sermon over for Sunday. Interesting. Interesting. Mitch, what's your take on that? Oh, you're on mute, mate. You're on mute. I had a little chat with Stu earlier just to get the essence of where he wanted to go with it. And he makes some very valid and salient points. Um, we, I think Steve, you're right, he's right. Steve Hastie hit the nail on the head about consultation. You've got to chat to the right people. And if you haven't been chatting to the right people, that's a problem. Um, but that's something that's surmountable. We've got a club that's growing in a way that we need to grow exponentially, but we can't just dump cash at the top end in. We've got to find clever ways to do that. And we've got to find sensible ways to do that. Um, also, I'm quite sure they've been they've left, or they've been left, another ghost ship of a club. And, you know, you've, you've just been up last week to see Bruce Springsteen and the E Street Band. Are you going to enjoy Bone in the USA, USA done by them more? than done by a guy with a one-man band in a kazoo. Well, of course you are. And for years under Ashley, we were the one-man band with a kazoo. And so many departments of the club are understaffed massively, with, and sometimes with people who are doing the same old thing the way they've always done. And that culture needs to change, and you don't change the culture of an organisation overnight. Um, we, there are certain things that we have to accept and they're going to have to keep continue to accepting. We may not like it, but it is what it is. It's the price on the ticket. And, you know, and you mentioned don't become like Man United. Yeah, I mean, gosh. Um, they've had so much money spent on them and they've been to two uh, cup finals, 1-1. One, one, they finished third in the league. In a league probably, you know, to Man City, who are one of the strongest teams for decades, and they've finished third to them, um, yeah. and it's still not enough. And they've, they've had millions, nearly a billion spent in the last few years on players, and it's still not enough. And that support, as trust, who we were told was the biggest, if there was going to be a support, as trust, that was ever going to buy a club, it would be them, because they had a massive war chest. All they've succeeded in doing is producing green and yellow scarves, that turned the fan base into a mocking, uh, you know, really a mocking uh, stuff to uh, when they rock, rock them out when something minor goes wrong. And, and so where are they now and what are they doing? And, and if the best they've got is green and yellow scarves and, and to make the, the fan base into a bit of a laughing stock, well, that's, that's an own goal as well. Um, and I think, you know, 
it, it's right that we have the ability to to raise things and we will continue to have that ability under these owners. That's very clear. But they've sometimes also, because of the accelerated growth, we've got a Champions League place way ahead of schedule. Some of these decisions might have to be made to satisfy UEFA requirements because all of a sudden we've got Champions League games to think about hosting. Out of the blue. We weren't expecting this season. Nobody was. And anybody who says they were 100% expecting this is talking out the top of their head. So they haven't had long to get their heads around all of this. And some of those decisions and the way they've been made, it's not the same as Ashley waiting until a, a you know a, 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 an international break to drop something on with and hope that by the time the next home game rolls around, we've sort of calmed down a bit. It's a very different process and it's a very different way of dealing with it. They won't get everything right. No football club owner gets everything right. Um, they have, by the grace of being A, not Mike Ashley, and B, doing what they've done so far, bought themselves a hell of a long honeymoon period. And we shouldn't be... Um, we should be able still to raise concerns without turning that into becoming mourners and whingers. And it's, it's balance on every side as it tends to always be. Um, and I think the way Stu puts things forward is very well thought out. I know what he's like when he tells me I've been making some notes. I know what's been going on inside that uh, pink-covered pink covered head of his, where the, where the, the cogs start. Not big anymore, the same <laughs> <laughs> um, But, you know, and, and when, he, when he does put... That's why I like bouncing things around with Stu. He's not frightened to give you, not even the devil's advocate position, just a totally different position that you may not have thought of. And that's why, and, and also I think it comes at it from a much more, because we've, myself, you, Mr. Hasty in particular, Keith to an extent, have been involved in all sorts of what you'd consider political things within the fan base. That's something Stu's never really been interested in. Fair? Yeah, and, absolutely. And so when he speaks, the authenticity is there. If someone who's not trying to point score or couldn't be interpreted as trying to point score or weedle yourself into a position to do something, you just call it as he sees it. And and that's the authenticity that he brings to this platform. Um, and why I I will totally hassle United until my dying day with that man. Um, and we won't always agree. Sometimes we disagree quite vehemently. But it's all about making it better Newcastle United. And that's what it's all about, isn't it? Of course it is. Of course it is. It's uh, yeah. Listen, uh, that uh, coined it at the start there when he said that's. I think that's why a lot of people watch it because we, none of us, you know, none of us always have the same opinion. We all we can all have different opinions, and it's about putting it across in a constructive manner. And uh, yeah, James McLeod says very knowledgeable and informative conversation. Keep up the great work, gents. Thank you very much. Steve, I'll ask you a question, right? Uh, obviously, only used to people can add the comments if they want. If Mike Ashley was still in charge and he'd spent a billion pound on players in the last 10 years and we just finished this season with a one cup, been under the cup final, finished third, qualified the Champions League, would we be shouting Ashley out because he was making profit out of it? I think the answer is absolutely not. So I'm really scared this fan base will drift towards that because we expect it. And the, the ride that we've been on this season, it, Brilliant, hasn't it? If you look at some of the goals, the games, the joy that we've had watching the emergence of, of Miggy, 
watching Willock Bellboy against Chelsea, all these moments that we've talked about last week on the moments of the season and everything else. This, I still go back to my best season ever was our first season when we got promoted under Keegan. Mm-hmm. You know, and we didn't win every game there, but we, we had a, a, a unity, a, a team. And in 20 years' time, no matter how many trophies won, people will remember this season for this was the start of it. This was the... This is how Eddie Howe moulded us, even if he's not the manager in three years' time, ten years' time, whatever. Shanty's not still the manager at Liverpool. Paisley took over. You know, this, we're building something absolutely majestic here, something that we've all dreamed of. And there will be things, little niggles that get along the way that's going to annoy all of us. And as I said during my little sermon there, if I was fortunate enough to have a seat that was being moved, of course I wouldn't be happy. But at the same time, I'd still be grateful that I had the opportunity to watch it. And as I understand it, if someone's got a block of three or four because they're family, they're getting offered a block of three or four elsewhere. It's not just like you're moving, that's it, take it or shut up or leave. You know, there is some consideration, but there should have been it should have been discussed with those, as Steve Hasty said, shouldn't it just been done? But again, they'll learn by the mistakes. And show me a man who said he's never made mistakes, and I'll point you to a liar. You know, we all make mistakes, but they're doing it with the best intentions. And we're not always going to agree on everything. But we know that they want the best for this club as we do. And we should be really embracing this and be happy with it. Mm-hmm. OK, well, the, you know, the ticket ticketing situation will always be a, a conversation of, you know, uh, of interest to anybody uh, on this platform. Because, you know, you either got one, you don't have one. Um, and, you know, if, if you've been moved and you feel like you've been mistreated, you can always put it across here. You know, we'll always have our say but we're not always likely to to agree, and um, that's just the way it is. So that's the that's the beauty of football. Okay, move on, moving on from the ticket situation. Something I didn't get a chance to bring up on the amigos was that horrendous situation we saw develop. Um, you know, with with, with that Spanish um, European game, it was crazy, Mitch. The uh, you know the the, the haranguing of uh, the, the English officials on the pitch. The um, you know the, the the activity on the sidelines from Mourinho and you know, the manager of the other team it, it was it was it was embarrassing and, it, and and that's almost like an example of what we've got to look forward to going into you know going into the European competition next season. Um, the aftermath of that though was was even more shocking where Taylor was actually attacked by supporters at the airport. Um, mm. What what did you make of all of that and what do you think there should be consequences? Look, it ties into we had that situation at Leeds where the fan come to have a good home. Okay? And we've seen this in the last year in the Premier League. And I think in parts of Europe it's worse. Um, and it, U- European football is trying to sweep certain things under the carpet at the moment. Because what used to be seen as the English disease, I think is very much a European disease now. The scenes that West Ham suffered in Holland where, you know, players had to run and defend their families in the crowd, have we? You know, um, we've got the situation where um, we've got managers, high-profile managers like Jurgen Klopp. Jurgen Klopp ran so hard at a referee, he pulled his hamstring. <laughs> that, that's fucking mental, I'm sorry. That's just nuts. Um, but nobody has checked it. I don't see many people in the press checking it. I don't see many football authorities checking this seeming um, ability that match officials are fair game. 
And by God, we've had plenty to talk about match officials this season um, in an England VAR um, situation. Um, but to wind, and this is why when we had the situation at Leeds, I would love to know who spoke to that lad and ask him, what, your, what is your motivation? And if his motivation was, well, such and such in the Daily Mail wrote this about Eddie Howe, and yes, assistant manager has a shite house, and yeah, you know, then again, press carry some responsibility for this too. That fans are being wound up to a point where it is seen that is whether you're in the airport with your family, having a coffee at the beach, um, or having a pint with your mates, if you're a match official, you're fair game 24 7. Now, the, the impact on that ga- on the game is we are desperate, particularly in England, for decent match officials. Is that going to encourage you to stay on as a match official? Don't know. Doubt it. I have a mate who was doing his refereeing badges when we were at university. Um, how old was he? He, he? 19, maybe he's going on 20, and he refereed a coast, Colts Cup final under 15s. And the dogs, this is going back a bit, the, the dogs abuse he got off the parents, that was the last game he ever officiated. He stopped doing his badges, didn't want it. And I wonder how many potentially decent match officials we've lost over time because of this growing feeling that match officials are fair game. And the, and the, the, if, if it, the senior figures in football don't seem to be doing much about it, the press don't seem to be doing much about it. In fact, the press, in some cases, the way they report things, almost encourage it. Um, and we've got to find a way to get around this because we'll only get better officials if they stay in the game and they're worked on to give um, consistent, accurate officiating as much as possible. And when you've got other pressures like this outside of the game and outside of your time when you're wearing that black shirt, like I say, when you're in the airport with your family, it's a disgrace. It's another disgrace. Um, I think Barry's quite right. I think refs being made up certainly made a difference in in both records of rugby because then you kind of get an insight into what's going on in their head and what have they seen and what they have not seen. You know, things like that. I think that's important. But... I think it starts with we need need a concerted effort from the football authorities and the media to wind that in because otherwise we're going to lose good officials. Yeah, good point. What's your views on this, Stu? Uh, officials being attacked, you know, is 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 not acceptable. But I mean, uh, it's, it's, it's gone bonkers, and that that really uh, it, it annoyed me that game. I I missed the first half. I tuned in the second half. Watched the extra time. Watched the penalties. But it was constant haranguing, harassing surrounding the referee. Michael Oliver um, must have had ears bleeding after that game because they were on at him all the time. Mourinho as well, terrible example to anybody watching football. Mourinho, he's got he's got a history for chucking his medals away. He did one, he did one at Chelsea where he had a winner's medal, chucked it in the crowd because it doesn't mean anything. It's it's even worse when it's a loser's medal because it just it just shows you're a bad loser. And it, it seemed to all stem from them if the manager's going to behave like that, and that's what's going to happen with the team. Yeah, you want bad losers though. That's that's the thing. You don't want someone to be a good loser, but it's how you conduct yourself. That's the difference. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I'll tell you something. Another thing that we should be grateful for. It'll be a cold day in hell before you see any how conduct yourself in that manner. Yeah. And 
you know, and he's a consummate professional. And, you know, he, he seemed to like be actually embarrassed when he had to celebrate at the end of the season, do a fist pump, because it's not in his nature. It's not in. You know, and, and that's something that we, we, not that we should take for granted, but, uh, yeah, we should be grateful for it. But the, the scene that Mitch was referring to in the airport, it was despicable. You know, there was, there was fans there spitting at women. You know, spitting like the, the referee, uh, Taylor and his, and his wife. And this, to me, UEFA should have given more protection. But without wanting to blame the fans altogether, if you, if you go back to what you said about the, 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 the game, Steve, yeah, it's a big game for some players. It's the biggest game of the, their career. And I'm not defending them in any slightest way. This is where the referee needs to be tougher. And, and in some cases, the, the more you let them get away with, the more they'll do it. And, but then the referee's got to be conscious. I could spoil this. There's millions and millions watching. But they have to apply the rules. And if someone's out of order, you give them a yellow card or tell them next time it's a yellow card. So maybe he was too lenient at the start. That's not saying or even trying to justify the behaviour afterwards because it was abhorrent and it should not be accepted. I think there should be a stadium ban for Roma fans just alone for what happened in the airport. And Mourinho should be dealt with severely. As much as I rate Mourinho, he is a winner and he doesn't like losing, which is a good quality, but you have to be able to handle yourself better and be a bit more dignified. You know, even if you come up with one of his twisting comments at the end, you know, we didn't lose, you know, the, they didn't win, the referee won, or whatever he wanted to say. But to then start swearing at the referee in the car park, it's, it's, it's childish, but people watch that, and he, he is what he is, but he's also a man who's mature enough and been in the game long enough to know that what he does get, it gets mimicked by other people, and it seems to be acceptable. So whether it's over-the-top behaviour, the, the repercussions or the fines or the ban should also be over the top just to stop it happening again. It needs to be nipped in the bud as soon as possible. And I know someone said there's loads of yellow cards, but they should have been done earlier. And if, if it means the game's off, then the players are, are to blame. It was both teams to, to blame for the, basically they tactically balanced each other out, didn't they? They nullified each other's threats and it become a ball fest. And they become frustrating, but that's not the ref's fault. His fault. His job is to apply the law. And if he did it properly, there wouldn't have been 13 yellow cards. There would have been about eight red cards. And the referee, the managers would have been sent off. It wouldn't even have got the penalties because once you get four red cards, you have to abandon the game. And again, then who's the referee that abandoned the game? It was an English referee. So it doesn't matter what nationality the, the officials are; they should be protected more. And as Mitch quite rightly said there. Where if you're a young aspiring football fan, knowing that you're not going to make the grade as a player, but you want to be involved in the game at some stage, being a referee could be quite exciting. You know, you could be thinking, well, if I if I get good enough, I could referee a Premier League game, or I could get European games, I could even referee at the World Cup. All of that gets it gets tarnished with what's happened. It puts people off straight away. You know, so again, it's getting back to we're all human and. We're, we all make mistakes, but Mourinho is not his first offence. And as I said, as much as I rate the guy, he needs to be he needs to be punished severely for it. Yeah, um, lots of uh, lots of comments coming in. Uh, I love De Barry's suggestion. He says bring in artificial referee and what an AI ref like the Terminator. 
Um, it would be it would sort it out, wouldn't it? Um, ban the fans as a collective. They'll win and lose as one. Punish them um, as one too. UEFA should grow some balls and ban them from next season's European competition to set an example. Uh, UEFA and the FA are toothless, says JB. Klopp and Hosey as well as Roma as a club deserve severe punishments, but it never happens. And Craig just wants us to stop talking about refs and VAR, uh, even if it is only for the summer. Mike, Blythe. Well, one more thing, Steve, then. The, yeah. the police, there's, we all seen it on uh, social media. The police should be arresting these people and charging them. Yeah. But then when Mitch mentioned there about the Leeds fan and what was his motivation, I'd like to know what he actually was trying to achieve. Because when he got there, anyhow, he's like tapping his arm and he didn't know what to do until yeah. he got there, sorted away. And it's like, what were you trying to achieve? I think he'd had that many pints of Yorkshire bitter that he thought it was, <laughs> he thought it was Sam Allardyce. Um, were Leeds punished for that so-called fan that approached Eddie and uh, well he just got banned he probably just got banned I felt sorry for Taylor's Ben she was clearly terrified grown Italian men behaving like that when kids are present unforgivable but but not surprising as they have a long record of this Uh, Ferry Hill Mags afternoon he goes there the Mourinho show it's all about him and uh, Stephen says even if you have rules and punishments if they're not carried out regardless then they will be broken by all and sunder time and time again and dark by design says refs always bottle a second yellow you see it time after time both teams both dugouts and the staff were a disgrace says t-tank and if i was jose's son i'd be embarrassed and angry believe me dad i know dad i'd have it out with them regardless of the consequences um yeah <clears throat> lots of people lots of comments john uh, he says, don't think Mourinho's attitude or style of football would suit St. James's, particularly in light of what's happened here in the last 18 months or so. Lots of people just saying they wouldn't mind seeing him at Newcastle at some point because of the connection to Sir Bobby. Sentimentality or not, I, I, it's not the same Mourinho that came into English football the, years ago. Yeah, the, 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 I think the time for that's passed. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Okay, we're halfway through the show, uh, so we will play the ads. A big thanks to all our sponsors. Skips and Bins. Telephone 0800 2545 2523. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website skipsandbins.com. Easy free and pay as you go waste collection. Thanks to Mr. Vicky's Sources, which are handmade in Cumbria. Their website is mrvickies.co.uk. If you want to contact the guys, email info at mrvickies.co.uk or telephone 01768 210102. Big thanks to New Workwear. Uh, They are an agile and dedicated workwear provider launched in 2018. For more information, go to the website, newworkwear.com. Big thanks, as always, to Media Arts for the help with the video side of things. If you want to support the channel, hit the subscribe button, become a subscriber today. Hit the thumb up under the video, which likes the video, and click share to share your other social media. Click join if you want to become a member of the channel for as little as $1.99. Or take a one-off payment uh, for the cult membership. You can get in via this QR code if you've got a smartphone. Or look for membership pack on the website, nufcmatters.com. What do you get for your one-off £25 payment? You get a scarf, a pen, and a cup, and a membership card, and entry into the monthly draw. Don't forget, if you want a car sticker, all you need to do is subscribe to the show, and then email John at nufcmatters, and he will post you a free car sticker out. We're also available as a podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and other podcast providers. And we also support the Food Bank on this channel. NUFCfansfoodbank.co.uk is the virtual match day bucket where you can make a virtual donation 365 days of the year. 
The new Alan Shearer raffle is underway. 150 tickets at a pound a ticket. You could win a limited edition signed Alan Shearer ball from the 260 dinner. And are now at nufcmatters.com. We've got a few events coming up. August the 5th sees Gavin Peacock at the Townside Irish Centre. Tickets are £10. And you can get them now from nufcmatters.com. Our Christmas event takes place on the 7th of December at the Tyneside Irish Centre. And that's an evening with Frank Clark. Tickets are £15 and available from nufcmatters.com. Finally, Waddle, Keegan, Beardsley and Friends. The class of 84 is on at the Town Theatre and Opera House on Westgate Road in Newcastle on Thursday, January the 25th. Tickets are now available from the Town Theatre and Opera House dot uk or telephone 0844-2491-000. That's the box office telephone number 0844-2491-000. Uh, charges against Sibylla, uh, invasion of the field of play, throwing of objects, lighting the fireworks and improper conduct of team. Andrew thinks that the Leeds farm was looking for his sheep. Andy Hamilton says loads of managers get away with it. Minimum punishment come down hard on them and it will stop. And BT says charges against ESA Roma, throwing of objects, lighting of fireworks, acts of damage, crowd disturbances, improper conduct of team, insult and abusive language against a match official, Jose Mourinho. So uh, lots of uh, lots of stuff coming uh, from uh, the, the chat on that. OK, just want to uh, put this question uh, to the lads. Um, Alan McKenzie uh, answered it, um, but it was a question originally by Alan there. What is the current value of our club as we stand today, in your opinion? 800 million the other day, right? As, uh, it was by Forbes, I think. Right, okay. Start and the problem, problem with Forbes is they're US-based, and so they will weight all the London teams because the nonsense of that list had Crystal Palace valued more than us. And so the weight London-based teams of real estate and an American proclivity that they would prefer to be in London, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. And so the London weighting carries teams like, like Crystal Palace above us, which is a nonsense. Um, the qualification for the Champions League does suddenly, um, I think, tip our value over the billion mark in, in, in real terms. Um, additions to the training ground, um, where it not, might not seem much in terms of how you're going to value a football club. That'll knock it up a little bit as well. And I think we've just probably tipped over the billion point. I think if somebody wanted to come and buy it off PIF tomorrow, I think that's what PIF would want for it, is at least a billion. Um, because we'll have so many more things in place now. Um, and on the pitch, we will be seen as, quote-unquote, successful because we qualified for the Champions League. And so, I think uh, that's that's where that comes from. I'm sure it was a Forbes list because it was a weird one. Some of the teams were bang out of what would, I would consider a proper order for evaluation. Um, and the only reason that would be would be American waiting for London. Okay. What do you think, Stu? Anything to add to that? Well, I agree with everything Mitch said, apart from... PIF would ask for a billion. I reckon if someone offered them 1.2 billion, they would tell them a job on. Because they're looking at this long term, it would have yeah. to be a crazy offer. And I'm talking over 2 billion. I don't think we're worth that yet. I, I think 
in my opinion, that we're valued now. I would have said a billion, and then now we've got Champions League, and and I know that they'll spend a lot of money in the summer and well, as much as they can. That will get us to. I think the club true reflection, true value of the club now would be that one point two billion. But there's no way they'd sell it for that. So it's it's what someone's prepared to pay for it, what someone's prepared to sell it for, and they wouldn't sell it for one point two billion. That's for sure. They're only just getting started. Yeah, there's no no option. Uh, you know, no chance of that happening. Uh, do the lads think Kane will go to Madrid now? Benzema has left. That means Spurs would go for ASM. I mean, let's talk a bit about transfers. I certainly can't see. Spurs selling Harry Kane to Newcastle for starters. I can't see Harry Kane going to any Premiership rival. Manchester United, Manchester City. I think that that boat that boat sailed, but I, I just don't see that happening, lads. Um, you're forgetting they've got no Champions League money. They've got a 900 million uh, worth of debt so that will tip over to the billion mark in the middle of next season. And why that'll happen is because they've missed a payment um, a, a payment deadline, whereby part of that loan was going to start to carry more interest. So that now becomes high interest bearing debt. That was what crippled Man United when the Glazers first bought them. Um, they need money. And the only way they'll get money is to sell one or two of their so-called crown jewels. They've got a dressing room. Loris apparently has made his mouth go saying he wants to wait. Well, we knew that when he didn't it didn't appear in the second half at, at our place. That was the, the only injury there was his pride, and possibly his lower back from picking the ball out the back of the net. Um, th that wasn't an injury substitution at all. My word from here over here from the Spurs lads over here was he refused to come out for the second half. Um, they're in trouble. They're in much bigger trouble. I think their fans are twigging on to how much trouble they're in. So, okay, who's going to buy him? Well, Man um, Madrid and Barcelona, by God, will have to work some magic economic levers again to make any big signings this summer. They're not in that position. Um, who else could buy him? Man United could be interested. Liverpool, probably not, because they don't, they don't have Champions League money this time around, thank you very much. They're going to have, you have to shift their transfer plans. Um, and I've also seen, you know, the general question: Will the big six help? Well, the big six need three. The big six need help. Chelsea too. They're going to have to dump players left, right, and centre. And nobody's going to be overpaying to help them. In fact, quite the opposite. That's a point where you've got them by the balls and by the neck, and it's up to you which one you squeeze. And so these negotiations for Chelsea won't be easy. These negotiations for Tottenham won't be easy. Kane is such a vanilla character. He'll not come out and make any big statements in the media about wanting to wear or anything like that. Um, but he's got one year left on his contract, and the only way they're going to realise any value for him is now. And so, and then you come down to, well, where could he go? Who could be interested in him? And who has the money and who has the capacity to do it? And I still, we've had this conversation on here, um, think that Newcastle United could be keen on him. Mm, interesting. Well, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, Stu, is, is that is, is that your mindset? Do you think that Newcastle would be interested? I mean, 
I just can't see Spurs selling uh, a rival, and I know they might need the money, but if they can sell them abroad, but I mean, the, the player might, the player might have, you know, a bit more say than, you know, than than the owner having to say you've got to go. Yeah, right. I just don't know how it's going to work. Well, unless the owner decides to pump a lot of his own money into the club, which surely isn't allowed if PIF aren't allowed to do it in Newcastle, then they're in financial dire straits. And Harry Kane holds all the aces in, in his hand. He can sit there and say, OK, I'm not asking for a transfer. I'll wait. And if we have a good season next year and we get Champions League again, we could do this, we do that, then I'll sign a new contract. And then it, it, because it's like a Mexican standoff with him and Levy, and Levy's really not popular with, this, with the Tottenham fans, is he? So he, can, he can't say he wants to sell them. But at the same time, he can't afford a risk. I don't think they'll get 100 million from anywhere. I think you would go for 70 million last last days of the transfer window, take it or leave it. The, the fact they have lost the Champions The fact they have lost the Champions League when he puts the fact they have lost the Champions League when he puts them in a weaker bargaining position because everybody knows they need cash. Well, I I think. I don't think we'll see Tottenham in the Champions League for the rest of this decade. That's how far they're going to fall down. And it's, a, it's a bold statement, but unless they get a takeover like we had, it's not going to happen to them. And do I take any enjoyment out of Tottenham and Liverpool, who are our biggest opponents for being taken over by PF, not qualifying for the Champions League? Absolutely, I do. Of course I do. It's great. And this is the reason why they didn't want it to happen. Uh, so... Could Newcastle sign them? Financially, yes, because they, it would create more shirt sales, etc. There's so much that goes into the commercial side of it they, that could generate extra money that we, revenue streams that we hadn't touched on when we talked about how the club could generate more money. That would generate more money. But the fact is that we're in this conversation where Newcastle are, although probably outsiders, they are a possibility alongside Manchester United, alongside Real Madrid. Alongside Bayern Munich, isn't that doesn't that just sound wonderful? But you know, the, for me, the the exciting fact of Harry Kane is his wife. She's settled. They've got the I think it's four kids, and you know they're happy. She's they've got a happy home, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. There's one team I think he would improve and actually challenge for the league next year if he signed for, and that would be Arsenal. But that's never going to happen. You put him in that Arsenal team this season, and you could get an extra ten points easily out of it. Because he yeah. would he would make finishes and stuff like that. He wouldn't miss the amount of penalties that that they've missed. And with his attitude as well, he he could galvanise the squad and drag it through some of the rougher patches that Arsenal faced at the end of the season. So this isn't me saying he's going to sign for Arsenal. I'm just saying which team would suit his style of play best and they suit their style of play best. That would be Arsenal. But for sure, that's not going to happen. But from a selfish point of view, we want him to go to Real Madrid. We want him to go to Bayern Munich. So then he gets away from Shearer's record. That's what De- we're to protect. Daddy Al actually asked a question on Twitter earlier. He said, if a Saudi club bought Messi, uh, could they loan him to another, uh, for example, a little club in the northeast of England? <laughs> Just wondering about financial fair play well, issues. I answered it. Yeah. On yeah. Twitter, I answered it. So yes, yeah. they could. Well, people, yeah, that's not could. everyone on this show who watches this show is on Twitter. So that's why I yeah. asked the question. Right. So the. Let's say Al Halal, that's the, the most popular. Let's say they signed Messi, and then halfway through the season, they had a winter break, and then they decided uh, the January transfer window that Messi is going to go to Newcastle. It's between the two clubs who pays the salaries. 
and percentages of it. Now, bear in mind, he's going to be on, if he does say no, which is highly likely, something stupid like half a million pound a day or crazy like that. We're not going to be paying any of that. You know, so also the long, just to add a bit of fuel to the fire, Messi last year was announced as an ambassador for Saudi tourism. So he's already getting money from Saudi Arabia. So it could quite easily say, right, you give this guy 100 grand a week, it can happen for the rest of the season. I don't think it'll happen. I, I genuinely don't think it will happen. But the, to answer the, the question that was asked, could it happen? Yes, of course it could. And it's between us. You had it with um, Lingard, wasn't it? When we were looking to get him, they wanted a fee and to pay all his wages. But most of the time, the top club subsidised the... Or the, yeah. the lowly club will subsidise the... The, the salaries because it gets them off the books and it benefits the, the loan loanee. So, so yes, it could happen, but it won't. It, it's, it's absolutely no different to um, the owner of Nottingham Forest who also owns Olympiakos and the owners of Watford who also own Udinese. If you look at the loans between those two clubs, there's plenty of them. And they're totally legal. And that's with two clubs owned by the same owner. Um, they're looked at very closely and they're frowned upon, but there's nothing they can do about it. And so, yeah, it's entirely possible. Do I think it's going to happen now? I, th I honestly think... I, do, I still think the owners would love a marquee signing and I think the marquee signing would be somebody like a Kane signing that would surprise everybody. That's, that's the kind of thing I think they'd look like. Okay, uh, interesting. As I say, there'll be lots of lots of transfer chat over the next couple of uh, next couple of months as we look ahead to the new season. Barry was talking transfers earlier. Stu, Arsenal hoping Tierney causes a transfer tug of war between us and Villa. Do you think we will bid and walk away? I'd love to see him at St James's again. Issues dealing with so-called top six. It's becoming more and more of a reality, isn't it? It's the it's growing. It's like a snowball getting down the hill. It's like become like an avalanche now, isn't it? There's, there's that many reputable news outlets that are commenting. Now, take away our association with Newcastle as supporters. As a player, look at Tierney. What are the choices? Newcastle or Aston Villa. So you've got Europa League or Champions League. You're close up to Scotland. You've got a team that plays exciting football. It's a no-brainer. And... He'll be offered as long as you fit, as long as you're playing well. That left back, left, that left back slots you. Same as what Villa will offer, and he's a wealthy enough young man. If they offer an extra five grand a week, I don't think that would make that much of a difference. He, he's he's won plenty with Celtic. He's won a, a FA Cup with Arsenal. To win something with Newcastle close at home, his family could come and visit. You know, it's only a couple hours drive from where he was born. His family could come and visit. There's so many benefits for him to sign for Newcastle. This is why I've been so positive all along. And I've seen some people talking about Madison, that they now don't want them. That goes back to, like, just remember where we've come from, remember where we are. Madison, the club wanted last window and the window before, especially last summer where the two bids were put in for him. What's changed? Well, the guy scored over double figures in goals and double figures in assists on a team that got relegated. Imagine what he could do with this team. You know, and if you look at the two of them, you'll get Tierney for 30, Madison for 40. Another name that I've mentioned sporadically, but more so last summer before he signed for Manchester City was Calvin Phillips. Now, I know I've aired before where I said 
to me, he was England's best midfielder at the Euros. And yes, that was two years ago, but he was injured last year. We wanted him last uh, summer. He went to Man City, understandable if that was the choice. It hasn't worked out for him. Could Eddie Howe get a tune out of him? Absolutely he could. Could he regalvanise him and get him back into the England squad, which is what he wants with another Euros coming up? Definitely. So you could get him. And also, if you believe the rumour mill, that's Kovacic from Chelsea's going to Man City for 35 million. So there's no place in the squad for him. So where would he go? Which other Champions League team would sign him? He wouldn't go to Man United after he's been at Man City. He's not going to Arsenal because they've got the other targets that they're after. And he's at Man City already. That only leaves us. So I'm making a case that we could get Calvin Phillips, get him for, say, 40 million. So there's 40, 40, and 30, 110 million spent before we even talk about your name, Dom, your mate, Dom. And I've uh, tried to be pronouncing his name. I wrote it down, Slobberslai. Slobberslai, I think it's called. So let's see, you get him for 50 million quid. There's 160, say 60 million, 170 million quid on four players. They said they wanted to strengthen three or four players that could come straight in the first team. Well, there's your four uh, for me. But I've had a lot of questions or uh, DMs on Twitter, they, whatever we get linked with someone. And it's great. I'm enjoying it. It's, I'm embracing the fact that all these quality players are being linked with Newcastle now. You know, we don't want to keep repeating this. Uh, Hamza Chowdhury, can we afford his loan fee and stuff like that? But if the agents aren't doing their job properly, we won't get linked with anyone. And of course, I think it was uh, Craig Hope used the term stalking horse. That's exactly what we are. On your castle, they're on the up there after him, right? We'll bid more. The agent gets paid more. The bigger the, uh, the player's salary, the bigger the transfer fee, the more the agent gets paid. He's, they're doing the jobs properly. So let us keep getting linked with people because I swear to you, and I'm sure you all agree, that our club, our scouting network, have been very thorough in what they've done. So they're not going to say, oh, someone from the Daily Express has linked us with him. Well, we better look at him. What do you think of him, Eddie? When he's on the Caribbean beach or wherever he is, they'll know who they're going for. They'll have a, this is a preference, choice A, choice B, choice C. If we buy him out of the World Cup or the Champions League draw, if we get him from pot A, then we don't need him from pot B because he doesn't compliment them. There's, there's so many things that can happen. The buying club, the selling club, the players' willingness. Uh, but I think the, the people I mentioned there, Madison, Tierney and Phillips, are all very doable transfers. And I'd be surprised if we don't get at least two of them by the end of the window. So that's my little bit on the transfer window for now. Yeah, OK. Kev T says, uh, did anybody watch uh, Slobby Lobby Bobby uh, last Dom. night in the final? Dom to our mate. Uh, very, t- <laughs> very tidy player, but would prefer Madison as he is next level. Mitch, well, he's, you know, it, it's all about opinions. Your your feelings, Mitch, on the old uh, transfer window. It's not even open. One, one thing I think they made clear in the, the last couple of windows, you're not going to come here and take our trousers down. And I think that's what we've got to remember, is that we won't overpay or overreach. Um, and when we do want someone, we tend to sign them. You know, the, the, the Isaac move came absolutely out of left field. When everybody was seeing in the press, or oh, they're going to make a loan signing, they spent the transfer budget. They're making a loan sign two days later, sixty million. We've got a striker who was next level. Yeah, but Mitch, two months before he was rubbish, and he'd only scored six goals. You exactly. know, they know, they know who they want. It's it's narratives to suit and all of that. So I think um, 
I think it's wonderful to be linked with players of such a high quality. And I think that's all we're going to be bringing in at all levels. Uh, signings we might be making with the intention of getting them out on loan to get more experience and become uh, better players. Again, I think they will be exciting signings in many ways. And, and, and if that's how excited we can get over those players, imagine how excited we could be getting about the the top end signings that they're talking about, you know, that, that, that they're working on. It's quite clear things don't get out of Newcastle United's backroom the way they used to. And I'm all for that. I, it, it, it is wonderful to be surprised when they pitch out somebody like Isaac and say, yeah, done deal. Thank you very much. See you later. Um, it's just an from last night, wasn't it? Uh, someone asked uh, both Rich and myself, they yes. heard a rumour that Mason Mount had just checked into a hotel in Newcastle. And is it true? Mason Mount was at the Spanish Grand Prix. So unless he got one of those cars and turned into a helicopter and got there as quick as possible, he was in Spain. You know, but so if this is going to happen, it's like Elvis and the two yeah. shop and that. We yeah, it was it was it was very 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 provable that he most certainly wasn't in Newcastle. That's yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I mean, lots of people saying, what about Kane and ESM swap? Uh, somebody asked before, would uh, ESM be used as uh, a bit of bartering and, and, and help them with financial fair play? You know, um... in, in in that kind of deal, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but he's not going to play a centre forward. He's not a straight replacement. But we, well, I we know, Mitch, that Tottenham bid from last year and the club were willing to sell him. And I think the, the fee that was agreed was 38, but he wasn't keen on going. I think if the same bid came in this year, uh, I'd, I'd be surprised that they bid that amount this year. But if they did bid that amount this year, I think he'd be more susceptible to go. But my, again, it's just left field, throwing it out there. I think he'll end up at PSG. All right. So what I'm going to do each uh, weekend that we do this show, lads, um, because I've got Barry Hogan. Here he come. I've got Barry Hogan, um, who has kindly agreed this year uh, to make sure that he creates a spreadsheet of each player uh, that we have been linked with, right? Um, and, and I tell you what, Barry, he's in the chat. He has done a great job this week anyway. I'm not sure how he's going to feel by the end of the window. Uh, probably drained. <laughs> and I don't know whether you can actually run out of run out of spreadsheet, but I, <laughs> the, the amount of players that Newcastle have been linked with, he probably will. Um, but I, it's a guessing game, lads. Uh, that I, I, I want, I want you to, I want you to somebody, guess. Somebody, somebody in Microsoft HQ pressing buttons saying, somebody Newcastle's broke Excel. What's going on? This is what's going to happen, you know. So I want you to guess how many players Newcastle <laughs> United have been linked with so far. Oh, what you got last year? You stopped since when? Last week, didn't you? Well, we started this last weekend, right? So I asked so Barry. Last, how, we actually asked Barry. I asked Barry last Monday, so it's six days ago. Right, where's he getting the source from? Is it just one, like BBC Sport, or is it from... No, so so at the moment, um, I can give you just a rundown. So, for example, NUFC Blog, uh, The Hard Tackle, The Evening Chronicle, Newcastle World, The Shields Gazette, uh, Give Me Sport, Football Fancast... Uh, right, so he's looking Joey, at lots of different sources. Daily Telegraph, 90 Minutes, uh, FC Inter News, Sports Witness, Mail Online, Team Talk, Newcastle World Football 365, Sunderland Echo, The Metro, 
the book room. Uh, see, I'm going down the spreadsheet uh, here. Um, West Ham <laughs> News, Daily Cannon, whatever that is. I'm, I'm learning some new things here. But uh, those are the sources. He is go. He is not missing any. So here we go in the chat. People are flying in the chat already. Um, I'll say 180. Okay, 180. Uh, I, I, I was. I initially was going to say 20. <laughs> in six days, but it's, don't say it's going to be a hell of a lot more than that from what you've just come up with. So 180 this week is Stu's uh, suggestion. What about you, Mitch? I'll stick are you with going 20. higher or are you going lower? I'm going to go lower. I'll stick with 20. Are you going with 20? Mm-hmm. Right. Okay. Well, the got to be closer. The winner this week. The winner this <laughs> week by a by a country mile is Stu. So far, Newcastle United have been linked with. 112 players in six days. In six days. In six days. In the chat, in the chat, let's see (laughs) who was the closest. I would say T-Tank. T-Tank got 100. That's pretty good. Um, On the flip side of that, T-Tank changed their mind to a 1,000, but I'm going to stick with your first one. You would have to go with your first one. Mozza said 147. More conservative from Andrew DB said 72. (laughs) And then the response, holy crap. Good Lord. 112. That's in six days. So, Barry, thanks for doing that, mate. Keep keep going. And I think if you can send me that on a Sunday, uh, um, uh, well, send it on a Saturday, because sometimes we'll do the professions on a Saturday. Uh, we will uh, let you know how many players we've been linked with, and obviously Barry. Just... Barry, just remember, Valium's a prescription drug. You've got to go to the doctor to get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just want to finish off with a lovely comment at the start of the program by Julie. And as most of you know, we have a, an end of season do. We always have a Christmas do where you come along and you, you know, we just get a chance to sit down and meet people. And Julie, um, who travelled up uh, with her better half, uh, got a chance to meet uh, George Mitchell, Mitch's dad. And it was a lovely quote at the start there. She says, um, I love meeting your dad. I spent a lot of time with him on the night. And she says, can I add, he is genuinely one of the loveliest people I've had the privilege of meeting and chatting to. Uh, Dave said, I could grand nap him. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much. Thank you so much. My dad is um, a unique individual who I'm very proud of myself. And uh, he's all of that and more. I can tell you that. But also, thank you to everybody, yourself, Steve, everybody at the NUFC Matters, and everybody out there watching the, the, the NUFC Matters family for keeping your spirits up over the last few months um, and for doing things for me when I couldn't be there. Um, I'm so appreciative of all of that. Uh, for you dragging him on to shows to keep, the, keep his mind active. And keeping them focused on what you should be doing, which is enjoying the raid of this season that we're having as Newcastle United as a family. Yeah. Um, the internet sometimes brings out the worst in people, but what we don't talk about is when it brings the best out in people. Mm-hmm. So thank you all. I kind of thank you all enough. And uh, I, he is genuinely one of the best. And, and you know the thing, the, the thing I love the most is we're sharing family stories now. Stuff I've, that's been quite, you know, personal to us. 
um, and people are getting an insight into it. And I'm sure we're no, that, not that much different than many Newcastle United supporting families around the region and around the world. Um, but to share that over time and to, to have a laugh about it and, and, and look at where the club's been on a journey as a family of supporters with the club, to look at where now, um, I genuinely feel we're on a launch pad for something really special and I'm glad my dad's around to tell his stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Brilliant stuff. Uh, somebody has said, um, are we having a start of season due? Yeah, they, in the ad break, we're advertising the Gavin Peacock. That's going to be the start of season due. Also going to be doing some stuff with uh, Liam Kennedy and the lads from Newcastle World and the Gazette. We're going to be doing a, a few shows together. Uh, there's going to be a bit of an announcement uh, a little bit closer to the start of the season. But uh, as always, that hour has passed very quickly. Uh, but it's been a pleasure spending time with the professionals, Stu and Mitch. See you again soon, lads. Take care. We still do seven NUFC Matters show a week for free. But if you want to help support NUFC Matters, then there are a few ways of doing it. Hit the like button on each live broadcast and video. This helps the channel grow. Hit the subscribe button and select the all notifications bell so you don't miss a single show. If you want to help us financially, then you can join the channel using this button with the membership starting at $1.99 a month. Or you can drop us a donation in the chat using a super sticker. We're also looking for sponsors. If you'd like your brand advertised on the flies for the show and featured during the ad break, then email john at nufcmatters.com to arrange today. Mr. Stephen Sayers, I'm arresting you on suspicion of armed robbery. You do not have to say anything, but anything you do say may be used in evidence against you. I should be moving on soon, so I want to ask you a favor. It. Don't make the same mistake that me and my brothers have done. And if you try, they'll throw away the key.